Good morning. Um, so I'm going to open the meeting, call to order, do roll call, um, and just if anybody is here, the recording device is on to record the meeting. Um, Stacy? Here. Maria? Here. John? Here. Lori? Here. Richard? Here. Alicia? Here. And I am here. So we're all here. We do the Pledge of Allegiance. Hold on, the flag is coming. Let's go. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So, um, I, just, and I also just want to say thank you very, very much because we just had a meeting on Thursday and our staff was here kind of late. And then I saw many of you at the Folklorio concert last night and here you are early morning. So thank you, thank you, thank you for, for being here with us and doing this with us. Um, and then I would also now I'm just going to um, let Maria kind of lead the way. This, this start just started on her locker and Richard got Richard's watch. And so I'm going to let her give, um, you know, sort of an update on um, how we came to be here for this portion, for the next portion of our retreat. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm so sorry, Maria. You have to come up here and stay with me, except that I have to approve the agenda, and then we end up public comment. I'm so sorry. Okay, so uh, uh, can we have a motion to approve the agenda? Glory, seconded by Maria. Uh, we'll take a vote. Stacy. Maria. Yes. John. Yes. Lori? Yes. Richard? Yes. Alicia? Uh, yes. And on a yes, so that's seven zero. Um, and do we have any public comment in the room? Is there any? No? Uh, okay, so onward. <laughs> well, good morning, everybody. Buenos dias. Buenos dias. I don't wear this. You know, I'm going to I was kind of, I hate morning I'm not a morning person. <laughs> but, whatever, usually on Saturdays and Sundays, you get to be because I don't know how many of you, I turn on to the stage for you, a salsa station. So I got up there, I'm not ready. So I'm ready to go. Um, why is it that we came here today? And basically, um, for me, it was something that, um, you know, we ended the year, the, the, the calendar years, you know, ended, the fiscal, the new calendar year started. And even though we're in the middle of the actual um, academic year, we're also in the time right now in January that we're planning for future for the next year. So for me, I wanted to be wanted to group everybody together to see you have a conversation, not a discussion, to come back and forth, but everybody to listen to each other in terms of where the system can move forward. And also because we tried to be, to group us all last about a year ago, um, as we had two new board members coming on board, and they had a lot of questions. A lot of them go, well, where do we, you know, when they're asking, Stacy and, and Elisa were asking, well, why do we do this this way, or, why, or, or where can I find it? Is there somewhere where I can find um, information as I become a new board member? And there really, there really wasn't anything there. I think for many of us that have been on the board for a while, we kind of knew more or less how things would run, right? but not necessarily that we could reference, you know, new board members, here, look it up in this book, and here we go, right? So the intent of the United States is to you know, begin to look, I think all of you have a sample, and this is a draft, a sample um, you know, governance book. Um, and, and basically we just got that, I don't know whether we got it from CSBA or, um, and then we all, the only thing we added up of our own was our mission and vision, that's all it is. 
So it's basically, we're going to start off going over some of the principles, because I think the basic in information there um, is, is in general, in terms of what, uh, you know, what the school district is moving forward towards. And we're going to see some of this later on this afternoon as we go into the, um, to the, the economy of these goals and priorities and the, and the, and the other team, you know, explains to the board what's going on in this coming year. So the intent is again to, to be able to build more unity amongst the board um, and to create a positive organizational culture. Uh, to improve the effectiveness of the board's leadership, and that means all seven of us, and governance. And then thereby being able to operate and establish board governance standards, roles, and product protocols. And these again will act as um, guidance for the conduct of how the board is superintendent relationship and board meetings they can run smoother. So basically, today we're going to have, uh, and the protocol again are the, 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 the activities or certain aspects of the roles of the board so that we can kind of start putting them, I think we need to write them down to have a book. And hopefully Chris is going to come lead us on to that because he has brought, brought samples of some other school boards and see how they run, you know, the, the school boards run, you know, their, their manual that they use. So it's not up right. And basically, it, it, a lot of it I kind of followed up from um, when I was at the CSBA conference and I did attend the governance handbook and board self evaluation session. So hopefully, everything that we write down is going to have content um, in the book, which has our district mission and vision statements, our goals and priorities, roles and responsibilities, and board protocols, which will be all part of the handbook, which we all will have a conversation and discuss on it. So that we can use that as our um, for us to be able to guide ourselves to evaluate the superintendent for one, and then to self-evaluate ourselves for what we're doing as a board. So anyway, we're going to get that started. So here we go. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me back. And, and before I start, I just want to say a big thank you because. I'm a parent of two public school educators. My daughter's a TK teacher and my son's a middle school principal. And I'm a new um, grandparent of a public school student. So my, my oldest grandchild just started uh, kindergarten. So I have to volunteer in the morning uh, and do the ballet. And that's quite interesting. If you haven't done that, you're a little lost by doing the ballet. So, um, um, but um, and, you know, I was superintendent for 18 years. And we didn't have a handbook, you know, and, and the district today has a handbook. It's all about continuous improvement. Um, we had, like you, we had our policy manual, which are your 9,000 series um, here, uh, and you have that here, and, and we had this for that. And, you know, sometimes we take things for granted. In Long Beach, the average board members stayed 10 years, but to be honest with you, when I left, they were 16, 17, and 22. And, and there's a lot of historical knowledge in there. So I commend you for what you're doing today because it's really important, as uh, best practices say, that we need handbooks. And um, um, we're going to talk about some sections of the handbook today. Again, this is just a discussion, uh, no, no approvals. But I'm going to um, always like to push the, the envelope, okay? So once you finish the handbook, um, Dr. Schultz and your governance team, I highly recommend that you spend time in the future developing a board orientation book. So, so the handbook is a great blueprint. It, it's the guidance, it's the, it's the umbrella. And then the orientation is, a, is another tool for new board members that come on. I'm a CSU trustee, and we have 25 trustees, all right? So we don't have a handbook. We're doing our handbook as like you right now, because at any given time, 
there are, could be two to four new trustees in any given year. And that's a lot to learn when, you, when you're operating on the nation's largest public uh, institution. So if you look at your um, packet uh, to the left, you have your handbook. And if you would bring that out there, and we're going to talk about uh, the principles um, and then the activities that go on. So in this first section, it says, it says communication. So if you look at that, I'm just going to put the chips on. Thank you. So, and, and this is really important. And I like the way, um, personally, that you um, structure this, where you have principles and agreement. All right? And so for our purpose today, um, if we can, if you look on, for example, on page eight, it looks like this, and the top part it says, board superintendent uh, communication. Because communication is key for us to do our job. It's for, for everybody. And for our purpose today, um, to just facilitate the meeting as you go through this, if you, you know, if you're fine with what it says, just put a thumbs up. If you have a question, just go like this. Okay? Because we, we, we're not voting, we just want to come to consensus. So let's look at that first section where it says board superintendent communication, look at the principles and the agreements, because this is really about the culture of your school system, what you are going to live like. Questions? Okay, all right. Let's start over here. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting that in most in most cases, it really depends on the superintendent that comes in. Because there's been times when um, some will say, oh, um, communication between, if you want to go outside the district superintendent, but anybody else in the district, let's say principal or another assistant school or director or whatever, everything has to go to the superintendent. Um, but the other thing is that for many of us, like, you said, you know, I've been here 23 years and I know a lot of people. So a lot of times it's, I forget sometimes and I just, as a principal tell me, I'll directly call them and say, and because I have that rapport with them. So it's at one point, I guess the I'm struggling with the conversation to many of us, how would it be something that would change? Or maybe that is, these agreements don't have to be set in stone or whether it would depend, I would say it would depend upon what the superintendent what he would want, what he would say he right. in terms of the relationship, yeah. for him to, to, to be, I guess, to be um, informed of what's going on between the superintendent and others. Right. Like, yeah. And if you pull, uh, at the same time, pull out your org chart, because this is real important. And Antonio, you're part of the government team, so you're, you're going to chime in. But before we get to you, we have a uh, Yeah. So um, my comment is related to exactly what Maria just said. and. Well, I've been here nine years. It's been different for different superintendents. And so um, I think a better practice is to um, have in our manual that the board will reach some sort of consensus on the process with the superintendent at the time. And I think that we, we have revisited this since um, we had our first set of norms, uh, at least the first time I participated in that conversation. And we came to a heads up that we should be not necessarily asking permission, uh, depends on the superintendent, but like for example, Dr. Grady said, you know, I understand you have those relationships, Richard, Maria, Jen, um, but I'd like to know um, that you're making contact, which is a copy, but I think it, copying is one thing, um, calling up the superintendent saying, hey, I have an interest in going and talking with, 
um, like this case, many times you meet with Jackie about something that relates to X, and then the superintendent said, yeah, that's cool, go ahead and do that. Okay, before we make, um, anyone else want to comment? Yeah, I was just going to basically make the same thing they are, say that I think a lot of this is up to having a particular superintendent. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, I, I agree with that because I do think that it probably as a hand, so uh, what we were talking about before was a handbook right. and then sort of a, an addendum to the handbook. Correct. And so if you have a general rule, but then you have more specific, um, more specific things in the addendum about how to communicate and that can be changed with every superintendent, maybe it can be a general rule and more specific. Because uh, so, um, I was also thinking just that in general, um, when we're making these broad statements, how do they, I mean, how do they get implemented? Yeah, how do they get implemented? I think which is a lot of questions that come up, and then so, but that's not necessarily in the handbook. Correct. Okay. Well, there's a lot of different protocols. Okay. Um, Stacy, back. I thought I saw Stacy before I forget. Stacy, can you take notes for us? Sarah's is. Oh, Sarah. Oh, okay. That, well, that was good. Okay. So, um, recent minutes. Yeah. I want to say that being one of the, the, the newest board members, um, it's been really difficult to come to an established um, group of board members, and and um, a lot of our staff has been here for a long time. So there are expectations. They're not very clear, and when a new member you come in and and you're trying to figure out your place and it's hard when you don't have something in writing so i'm very happy to see the handbook and maybe the accompaniment of an orientation piece because it's difficult and you don't want to step on anyone's toes you want to follow but you also are doing this because you love the community and you want to get things done right so how do you navigate all of that right um and so for me it's, it's i'm very happy i feel like um even even during the transition um, in this year, it's been it was Dr. Gardy very briefly, then Dr. Kelly, and then Dr. Shelton, and everybody's got their own way. Um, and so it's it's even within this short period of time, it's been. <laughs> but but I'm, I'm happy that our our leadership and and that we're we're working on. This. Yeah, and and, and th great comments. And, and this is a work in progress, and remember, and, and so it takes some time as you do. So, Antonio, you want to add to that? Yes, and, and I know it's difficult because everybody has a different relationship with, and relationships are the key part of this. You know, I, as I, I told Maria, I said, it, it was uh, having three of you on this board, I was your kid's principal. So that relationship is a lot easier, and there's a history with it. But for you, and for you, it would be different because you don't have that relationship. It's developing. Um, and so these, these guidance, this guidance and this communication thing helps for that new person to figure that piece out. For me, I prefer the communication that I know you all need to speak to somebody. For instance, if we're going to um, have something around HR, you're free to, to me, you're free to talk to the assistant superintendent. When we get one for Ed Services, uh, uh, the CBO, and uh, Mark. But for, for the staff beyond that, I would need to just let me know. And the reason why, oftentimes, is they are doing something. They are focused in on their job. And if we are just showing up and 
we are just we we detract them from the focus of what's going on because honestly they're going to drop everything because you are even though you're my boss in their eyes and I and all of them are right there in, in 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 their eyes you're their boss too even though you're not directly their boss so they're going to whatever it is that they're going to do not just not you. <laughs> all, all of them it's positional power. Yeah. It's, it's the it's, honest truth. It's not that they don't want to do what you ask. They want to make sure that I know that what they're doing for you is actually what I am saying is okay. And it's all about that communication piece. Um, and and uh, many of you, and I think you put it real good, and Stacy probably would emulate exactly what you're saying, Alicia, in regards to. You all have these established relationships, and that's good because you understand how to maneuver. I can't imagine being new. As I told Mark, he would, where are the rules when I was a <laughs> 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 he, he can tell you, I yelled at the phone, I'm like, dude, where are the rules? And uh, you just having something that's solid, even if we tweak it, it's just a manual that can be fixed and, and it can flow. As we, as we grow as a team, as we grow as uh, comfortable with each other about what we're doing and our goal, we can change these things. But I think for me, having that communication uh, between Mark, myself, Melanie, and whoever the assistant superintendent is, even if they're in their department, this organization chart, saying to them, hey, I want to speak to, and I'm okay if you don't contact me and you want to talk to Doug. Uh, Doug or some of the HR director, but you've communicated with Mark or uh, Gerardo, and that's fine. But I, I just need to know if you're going to go even further. I need to know because it just they need to know is this okay? Because they're going to ask me, is this okay uh, for me to do? Or this is what I'm doing, and this is why they have, have asked. Uh, and it's not to undermine anything. It's not. It's just so that everything flows. So yes. I would say the, the other benefit to running things through the superintendent is if the goal with the principal, which I really like, trustees have access to sufficient and equal information. The way we accomplish that is by working through the superintendent. If I have a general question, Antonio can say, yeah, just go talk to Melody. But if I have a question about an agenda item, something that we're going to be discussing, that question might be pertinent to the other six board member. If I go through Antonio, he can then say, you know what, I want to share this with the full board. Yes. And I think it's really important that when we have questions and communications, we share those with our colleagues. This is a really important piece that, um, as a governance team, everyone needs the same amount of information at the same time. It shouldn't be, these two get it at least, you know, five dollars that type of thing. You had a comment? Um, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Um, well, one thing is just, um, uh, I don't think all the tables got all the same. We don't have the, um, uh, it's in, it's in your packet. So all the information that we're going on is on the left side of your hand. We both were looking, sorry. That's, that's okay. And, um, to tag on to John, um, I, that caught me too about access to the same information, and I appreciate that you just said at the same time. Yeah, at all at the same time. Yeah, I think, or it's similar. Right, exactly. You know, you have, um, and, and you raise a really good point, you have, in, in, in here you'll see there's a Friday memo that goes out that has um, general information, there's confidential information, that address that. But you may have a question on Monday, you know, about a board meeting or, or you know, whatever happens, and that information needs to be shared out to everybody, you know. Because again, it's about open communication. Now, will we make some mistakes? Yeah. 
But we learn from those mistakes if we don't want to let it follow. Yes, I, I do like all information. I know that we have a lot of subcommittees um, that focus on different topics. And I feel like um, uh, I, I, this is just like uh, building that relationship with you, Dr. Shelton, as a new board member. Um, it's really important because I don't have that established, and I feel like I need more time. I know that we do weekly lunches. Mm-hmm. I don't know how Stacy feels or like how other board members feel, but I think it's key to have more time with you um, to be able to to speak about you know, this, just so that so that we, we can ensure that we are having that mm-hmm. that information because not not all of us just sit on the same subcommittee. Not all of us are having your. And I just feel like it's not, um, like you need more, more of your time. Well, I'm, I'm going to say, we also have to have balance. As superintendent, I have to have balance. Because your expectation is also that I'm at school sites, supporting principal, being present, and we only have so many hours in a day. And Sarah puts an hour from 12 to 1 for a first sign up. I need you all to use that. I need you to sign up for those times. Because a lot of those are empty. And I know we communicate, but I would ask that we could, if we could use those that framework, it would help. Because I, I, I don't want to be that person that's not present at schools. Because when I'm asking people to do something and then they don't ever see me, it's the same thing with your saying. So I'm balancing that. But I have that time almost weekly. I know every week. I, I don't know how many times Sarah's not here right now. For the for the lunches, so if you all would use them, I I, I am set. I I'm, I'm there, um, and even when they're on this group right here, to tell you, they use them because I'll say, well, twelve o'clock, come do lunch, if they if they want some. So if you all would use those, that would help too, because I do don't want because you know after a while people say well, we haven't seen you. You know, you're, you're, I'm talking about our principals, our, our, our parents, our people. So it's a balancing act, and I'm trying to make sure that with these priorities and these goals we will share, that I can execute those um, in a manner that supports you and the goals that you have too. Because I want, I, I'm present. I just need you all to use that framework and, and fill it in yes. when, when those times. Yes, I, I, I see the worksheet as, a per, as one board member. I don't want to go through and like fill in every single spot on that worksheet. <laughs> I, I, if you want me to, I will. You, but, can, fill in, <laughs> you, can, you can fill in your time as much as you want. I'm sorry, you didn't come. Yeah, I did. I, 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 I'm moving. Yeah, we're looking at the full section of the On the next one, we're keeping the board informed. Keeping the board informed. So look at that principle. <laughs> so, I mean, I thought this, I think this the idea sort of tied yeah. them together, which is great. Um, I, in fact, I was thinking of the subcommittee issue as a, from a different angle. But, but more importantly, I feel like the way the board informed is to not rely only on random sign-ups for lunches. I feel that there have to be structured, regular times. There are many ways to do it. I don't have a blueprint, but for all board members, whether in groups or single, whatever works, to have time with the superintendent on a regular basis. And I don't think it should be up to, oh my god, did I sign up for 
25 lunches or one lunch or, right. or does that lunchtime work? Because right. um, I do think people, especially new people, have less right. information and it's harder to figure out how to get what you need to know. Um, but I also think it's important for board development that everybody ha has that relationship, that rapport, and that information gathering and understanding time. Now, as for the subcommittee issues, I'm not quite sure how to deal with that because that gets into the, all the Brown Act issues too. And so I don't know if this is a good approach. In fact, I, I, I wonder if at some kind of intervals, and I don't know what they should be, because I don't, um, if we shouldn't have subcommittees make public reports about their activities rather than, um, well, they're not ready until certain times. So that, that's why I'm saying that you can't say X. It's just an idea we have to talk about. Because the point is not, is to get board work done. And it's sort of the subcommittees work in a sort of advisory capacity, if anything. Right. Um, but it, it, I get being on a board when you're not on one of the subcommittees, because that's true for all of us. Correct. And you don't know what's going on until some point. And to some degree, I think new board members have that a little patience. I've sat, I've sat where I was not on various subcommittees, and I didn't really know what the outcome of their work was till they came to the board with a proposal. Yeah. And I can, I feel like part of this is about trusting that right. other people are doing the work of the board, not their personal work. But part of it is also, uh, I really respect what Lisa is saying, which is because she's saying, I'm a board member, I want to know about everything, just like right. everyone else. <laughs> so um, it's figuring out how to. Right. And I'm going to go here and then to Richard in a minute. Um, but let me just um, put a pin here on this. This is a really important piece. So on the subcommittee report, there's multiple ways you can do that. All right. So one is that the, the, um, the, uh, the at the board meeting, the chair of that committee, or if you have that in that format, can give a brief overview of that type of. The other process is that some systems use multiple workshops. And they do that. They do deep dives. So, for example, in Long Beach, we have um, nine days of workshops. So, three workshops, uh, three days each, and there's a, a deep dive on part of it. Because you're right, you can't serve in all committees, and you may want to know what the finance committee did versus you know the instruction committee or whatever happens to be. But there are multiple ways to address this that issue. Um, and then before I go to UCC, um, one for new board members, and this is, and you may want to think about this. There might be some hot topics as new board members that you really want to delve into, you know, to learn more about, you know, because the systems are big, you know, I mean, they're huge. The, I'm in my fifth year as a trustee of the CSU, and I saw I don't know all the, the stuff, you know, I mean, I'm just being really honest with you. So you might want to get together and just say, could I have um, uh, um, a meeting on X, whatever X happens to be, you know, a topic, you know, and then staff can help to, to do that before you do that. The deeper dive on the board of orientation, because that's really going through like a six-month process of going through the, the nuts and bolts of the, of the system. Okay, so Stacey, you had a comment. Um, and I think mine was on the subcommittees as well. I mean, even having in our board handbook or in something supplemental, what the purposes of the board are for, so that we're all clear. Because I, I think it's smart to have subcommittees because it enables us to do more work and to not get uh, on the Brown Act. But it, it, we don't make decisions in subgroups. We make decisions as a whole. 
And it's really hard on both the board as a whole and on the subgroup when that doesn't happen in some kind of tandem because then a lot of work is done and a lot is known and then all of a sudden four other people are brought in and that can just in a, uh, unintentionally cause problems and hang up the work that we were trying to do more efficiently in the first place. So I do think some kind of way to keep people apprised and let the collaboration happen at the whole level so, and, yeah. how, how would you all feel about us breaking in the Friday memo? Yeah. We break it down where the subcommittees would give so yeah. one member from that subcommittee give some kind of report to the Tessera, and then and then it's there. It's Does, will that be okay, or is that? That's a possible place, but I think every week is way too often. Most of the subcommittee. No, I'm not talking about every week. Because, okay. I mean, we don't even, the subcommittee doesn't even meet. All of them don't, don't meet every week. But when, say you have a meeting, maybe there's a, so that there's a common, go ahead. I also think it might be around that problem. That, that's what I'm asking now. That's why I don't know. That's what I'm asking now. Yeah, the, what, the way, yes, before you. In my experience, because I'm in the middle of the board now, in the middle of August, when I started, I did not know a lot about facilities. I was not on the facilities committee. So if I had questions, I would go to Ben. Ben, can we brief on this? And Ben would send me to Carrie. Or Carrie had a presentation on the site. It's, it, it's incumbent upon an individual board member if you are not in a subcommittee, if you have need for more information, to go to the superintendent or to gather that information. So for me, I trusted the members of that committee to do that work, where, and then I briefed where I had to brief. But it, again, if, if you need more information, it can't be, if I'm on a committee and you want more info, I can't give you that. That's a violation. Right. You go to Antonio. Again, th this is why the relationship all has to be. That's, that's the linchpin for everything. And I, I, I just, I, I'm nervous about the fact, this idea that Information just appears. I think as a new board member, it is very difficult, but you have to go get it. Yeah. Uh, come back there, and then here, and then Richard. Oh, I'm sorry, you're right. Yeah, Richard, you're right. Yeah, sorry. You're right. So, I do think that the reestablishment and the commitment to the meetings with the superintendent, the lunches, are important. And I think that then the onus is on the superintendent to make sure, really, for good governance, that those four members outside the leadership, or outside, those outside the regular leadership meetings are meeting with you. Um, I will own my own things. Like, we just had a meeting on Tuesday, and I did not do my homework, and I had not read the Friday memo, and I did not know about, I read the agenda, and I looked at all of the discussion and study items, but I didn't go through the, and I missed stuff with ACES. And before, with Sandy, with Mark, and this is still new, so you're talking about the relationships with other board members, but um, a superintendent would know, and John's comments that they really have not left me, Richard, you're really passionate about this, we know this, well, I thought, I'm going to try and own my own responsibility for what I thought was a mis my misstep at the board meeting, my misstep at the board meeting, is that if the soup had called me and said, hey, Richard, I know that this is really key for you, did you read that Friday memo? 
Did you see that? Make sure, make sure you're okay with that. And that's happened before. Like when we have stuff up with uh, labor union agreements, not uh, the, what are those ones with the trades? The trades, or this is coming, or Richard, something's happening, and Carrie's working with this group over here, and I know that this is really kind of something that you've been engaged in for years. Did you? Because I am human, and I missed it on Friday. I missed it. And then I felt like a turkey bird on Tuesday. So I just think that when we had those meetings and I wasn't in leadership, it was an opportunity for Sandy or Mark or Ben to say, hey, I want you to know what's coming. And our Friday memo does have, Sarah's great, it does have kind of a longer picture as to what things are coming to the board. And so I think that it goes both ways. The soup's got to be able to sit down with his or her or their members, know who he sees weekly, they see weekly, and then make sure that, and I know that's more, but I think in the long run it's going to make things for much smoother. And so I think the soup's going to have to give greater attention and more time. Right? We talk about. So you uh, asked me what the balance is. No, no, I, oh, I know we're going to get to that. Too, but I'm just wanting to say that I got a, I just got a feeling in kind of the deliberation that's happening here that there's a lot of burden on the two, right? The two newbies have to go out and find all of this. And I'm like, no, for good governance, this is always about all of us doing an equal lift. And that we have to utilize these meetings together to make sure that we're on the same page. So, Jen, and then here. Sorry, so I'm getting a little distracted because I, I agree, but I think the time is set. You have set aside the time. We just need to somehow purposefully cool. make sure that all the rotation is in there with all the board members that you don't see that you that you see them regularly and that they so you know they can say to you Tuesdays on you know if this is you've set the time so it, it already exists. I don't think that you need to balance it anymore. I think you just you just need to come together as a board and make an agreement. Look at those that's there and say on every Tuesday lunch you know once a month. Yeah, or whatever it is. Um, but then I also um, think also about the subcommittees. Um, I, I don't think it's wise to put any informational. I think that's too, it, it, it's too much information in a place that maybe it shouldn't be. But I think one of the confusing things is I don't think you got to even knew what subcommittees existed. So in sort of like the back of this, the while we have our board, while we have our board policy list, and we have our norms, and we have our, um, you know, whatever comes at the back of the handbook that is our org chart that's specific to our district, we list and then make sure that we have a time every year where it's updated. Yeah. So that the whatever in addition to the general rules, whatever very specific is updated. Who's you know the DAC committees the that it's all available to be known. Uh, and then I'm going to make a summary comment and then actually you have to. Okay. I just want to say lovingly to Richard, who I adore and respect, that I don't, as much as I too would love for Antonio to anticipate my every concern, he's got seven of us to deal with. And I will know us as well as he can and by his opportunities, I think we'll sense of that. And I do feel like the board has a responsibility. And we used to have a norm, which I don't think we adhere to anymore, which is, I'm going to paraphrase it, but you have to read, read your agendas and ask, try to ask your questions before noon on Monday. Right. And that's the way the superintendent and or staff will know that you have a concern or I have a concern. And you did own it and you said you hadn't, but I, I just don't, I feel like that's, like, you can't be on a superintendent to sit every week and anticipate every board member's 
important topic, so if you can, that's fantastic. <laughs> I don't I think, think that could be I, on no, us too. But I absolutely agree with you. Everything you just said, but there are there are going to be those moments. Like I could imagine that there would be things that if a superintendent didn't reach out to you on some issues, I could imagine we've been there. I've watched it unfold. I've watched it. So that comes over time. And I get it. So, yeah, yeah. But I get it. I agree. I think it's a great norm to have that we respond by that. In Rich's defense, I, I was not in the agenda setting meeting for that meeting because I was there. If I had seen it, I would have called you. But I wasn't there. So, yeah, there's certain things we know. I would have called you. I wasn't there. You know, and I just want to commend all of you for being open and honest and vulnerable because this is how you grow as a team and how we get better. And you know, you had, um, these were developed in 2015. It said, contact the superintendent um, with agenda questions by Monday at noon, make concise comments at the meetings, avoid repetitive comments, refrain from interacting with public speakers, you know that's a Brown Act violation, be attentive and avoid texting, speak no more than twice to a single item, that's about efficiency, and the meeting will conclude um, by 11 p.m. unless the board says, look, and you know, um, you know, my board meetings were all over by um, 6.30, so, um, yeah. But that's just me, so it's not that. See, we started at five, and, and, and I was sharing with um, someone earlier, I had um, 18 years, I had two meetings at two and a half hours long. So, so but it's about, it's about the governance team, okay? And I'm gonna summarize what I think I've heard. I've heard that um, communication is important and is key. I've heard that Antonio, uh, and please correct me if I'm wrong, has no problems with you contacting him or any of the members on this org chart who are listed in the cabinet. Uh, and Mark might say, go to X to answer that question. I'm cool with that. It's about both ways going this way. I've also heard that there's some um, uh, questions around the subcommittees. And so one way, and I think we're going to have to put a pin in that one and, and come back to it, but one way to do that, and, and you're exactly right, we need to put all this in the back of the handbook of these things. One way for the, for the subcommittees to work is um, whatever subcommittees you have, you list them, and then you rotate the people on them and you ask them. So for example, in Long Beach, we had like, I think, five different committees, and we said, what committee do you want to be on? And so we made sure that if Maria was on the budget committee, then, then it was going to be done the next year. So it wasn't always going to be the same people. Um, and then you raised a really important point, um, John, that said, if I have a question about X and I'm not on that committee, I need to go to the superintendent or to the person on the cabinet who can answer that question for me. I've also heard we don't want any surprises either way. That's, that's really, really important, you know, because Antonio can't have any surprises. And, and the rule we used in Long Beach was if it was going to be in the paper, you all were going to know about it. <laughs> or if it was going to be on the TV, you know, to be honest with you. Because, you know, that was the, the other part. And I've also heard, and this is really important on both sides, is that um, Antonio has a slate of openings for um, meetings. And one way to do that is to, to plug in people to say, okay, which day do you want and which time do you want? And if you don't want to use it, Maria, you don't have to use it. I'll use my example. I only had five board members. I only met with two board members on a regular basis because the other three said, hey, Chris, if I have a problem, I'm going to call you directly, you know? And for me, I had a rule that you couldn't call after 9 o'clock unless it was an emergency, you know? But you had to meet till 9 o'clock. So, but it's again, it's about communication. It's about the, and if we live by those norms and those agreements, they'll be good. And Jen, you've made a really important piece. Whatever, when this book is finalized, 
We need in the back those protocols, those addendums, those living things, so that they will be revised and updated. So, so is, did I summarize it okay? Am I off base? Okay, because of time, and I'm a, I'm a German, and so I'm all about time, right? Because they, uh, you know, they're really about efficiency. I'm going to move to the next section, which is, because I'm going to put a pin, I put, we're going to stop at the brown act. I'm going to go into the, um, the piece where it talks about um, site visits, okay? Because this is another important part about communication. And then also in your handbook, I gave you Redondo Beach's handbook. So if you look on the, if you pull up that one too, and you look at the very back of it, it there's a section that's called visiting school sites. So on page, we're going to be on page 10 here for us. Oh, I mean that one, I'm sorry, that one is a, that, I'm sorry, list, I'm going to correct myself, okay? Site visits is, um, is the very last section, it's on page 16. No, not 16. 15, thank you. So that was my fault. I apologize. Um, site visits, because this should be pretty fast. If you look at what you have, and if you look at what um, Redondo Beach has, site visits by board members are really, really important. Okay? But we talked also about positional power. So it's about communication. So I worked in Long Beach for 39 years. I know these people. But even when I walked on a campus with a best friend, they got nervous, okay, because of my position. They're going to get nervous because of your position. So we just have to know, um, come up with how we want those visits to happen, okay? Because it's a critical part of your job as board members. So, um, and you can see how Redondo Beach does theirs. You can talk, see how we um, uh, look at um, on your book on page 15. It says trustee visits to school sites. If you look at those agreements. Can you live with those agreements? Do you think those are good, bad, and different? If the first one talks about informing the superintendent when you visit. I don't think that needs to be as a courtesy. I think that's what you do. Good. <laughs> Thank you, sir. So the first agreement says, as a courtesy. <laughs> so with John Jane, if I'm correcting that the board member will inform the superintendent. <laughs> That he is visiting or she is visiting. Let's go side. I don't have any issue with this at all, but my understanding right now is we have a link that we go through to sign up and then safety contact and get in touch. So I don't mind, but I I think it, it needs to reflect what we do, and if we have two ways to do it, it should say it, or if we can have one way, it should be done. So something that we had started right before COVID, so clearly it never started. Um, we had set up a wheel. Planet rotational method. So every two weeks, there was a site visit planned somewhere, and board members rotated in and out through the wheel. So you always were with different people at different sites. It was not a dog and pony show where there was pressure put on the principal to prepare something for that day. It was we're coming Wednesday at 9 a.m. Whatever you want to show us from 9 to 10, it's up to you. Don't don't go out of your way. We could recreate that, which creates a structure for board member visits. I mean, if you have to trade the swap out, you can trade the swap out. But the board is up for that. I like that. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm no, no, go ahead. Uh, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I remember receiving requests to sign up for back to school night and, 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 and I'm, I'm actually unaware that there's been uh, where people sign up for a school setup on a random, whatever we want to go. Um, I think that's right, right? Yes, she just said, they, I, that's, yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> so, 
about this very thing that I don't know. Um, so <coughs> I, I think John, I think that's a, I love that. And I think it's a great idea. And I guess you can, if you are unable to get in the wheel, maybe you can have just an outside thing through the wheel. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Stacy. I don't know how to speak, but <laughs> so Steve I'll share the document that she was speaking about, and it was a list of dates, and it was a space for the Senate Committee School site, and it was in the board party memo. Now it was linked for the years. It was just in addition to the uh, back to school nights and the birthday of school and all those pieces. It was a separate document. Um, and then what I was doing is I was reviewing it, and I was saying, oh, she signed up to go to Webster on this day, and I was let send up, hey, uh, she has requested a visit you, and this is the time slot she has put on the board that's available, the work we do is not, um, she's been to the foresight so far, um, and that's just kind of what we were doing. I don't know if it was a policy, but that was what you want to share with me, that was done previously. No, it's not, I mean, but also I think the information wasn't disseminated sort of in a way that I understood, and maybe it was. But um, I also think that's great because then, uh, in a way, if you do this, the wheels, you should be in on that too because then you know what everybody else is doing. So yeah, I just can make it around the meeting with Dr. Felton and what's happening to what they're Friendly suggestion. What if at an upcoming meeting we talk to Dr. Shelton about recreating a method for site visits that works for both principals and great team staff? Excellent. See how fast that was? <laughs> See? That's great coverage. Now, I'm, did everyone live with us? Good, good. So, because I'm going to time. So, okay. yes, sir. One, one thing that I think would be nice too, Dr. Shelton, we only did it once and it was so incredibly powerful. So, years ago, I think Sandy was our superintendent. We all went together on a pathway visit and we all on a big yellow bus and it was a public meeting and we had a couple people on the bus with us, right? One newspaper person, but we went from, um, we went on a pathway visit and it was really where it's been the superintendent and Ryan was showcasing for us what the superintendent wanted us to see. That was really one of the highlights of my tenure. Um, yes. Um, just quickly following up on, on Richard, I'm really interested in getting to know the system and the role that people mm -hmm. play. And I know we're talking about going on field trips, seeing like um, just like you know classified like what are yeah, like just getting every single not every single but like getting to know more of like the work and what our people are doing. Um, I would love to be able. I don't know if it's like a day, a day in the shoe stuff or we can figure out. We can figure out something. That's what I think. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it would be really interesting to get to know. These field trips are important, to yeah. be honest with you, and and they're and they're excellent for both reasons you talked about. Uh, to know the different pieces of requirements and knowing what you're working on. So, for example, if you're working on closing the equity gap for Yale students, what, what's happening in the system? So, um, kudos. So, excellent. So, our last task um, for me is we're going to go to the agenda item. Okay? So, that is actually on page, um, thank you, 11. Okay. And I also gave you an example of uh, how uh, from a board policy in Long Beach. So, in that packet, um, so setting the, the, the agenda is really, really important, and, and uh, it happens in many different ways, okay? So, um, so you have, you're right now, um, the, you have the role of president and the role of the vice president um, in Long Beach, so a superintendent with the clerk, so that's because we're one of five members. 
So um, the, if you look at right now, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, the president and the vice president meet with the superintendent to set the agenda of the board. And we know that any member of the board can ask for an item to be put on the agenda. And it would be that leadership subcommittee that would decide when that would be. And we also know that any member of the public can ask for an item to be put on the agenda, okay? Uh, they can't say I want it at next week's meeting, so that committee decides when they, they want to do that. So you have this structure right now. Also, if you look at Redondo Beach's um, uh, um, handbook, they actually have on page five a very similar process where they have the president, the vice president, and the superintendent of the committee, and the clerk steps in on that agenda item if the vice president or the president are absent. And the reason for that is to build leadership and knowledge of what you do. Because eventually, most people in most systems become a vice president or a president down the road if they serve you know, multiple terms on the board. So the, the key here is building that structure. Um, Antonio, do you have a question? No. So, so, so when you look at this piece is, are you comfortable with the president, the superintendent, the president of the board, the vice president of the board, serving as the, um, the leadership on that setting the agenda? Are you interested in having the clerk be the, the substitute part of that, or do you want to keep it or change it? How do you, how do you see it? Because it's, um, this is an important committee, and it's important for two reasons. One, it's uh, setting the agenda for the system, and it's also making sure that the, the board as a whole has input as well as the public. Because I think sometimes people forget the public may ask for agenda items. Richard. Isn't it, I mean, from my experience, the clerk is already at the table. Sarah's clerk. Sarah's at every agenda setting meeting. So why wouldn't we just reflect that in our... Well, in some school systems, board members are clerks. Well, that's what I'm saying, but it... it, it yeah. So you're asking... Do so I'm, what I'm asking is, right now, correct me if I'm wrong, you have the president, the superintendent and the vice president are the part of the committee, correct? The clerk is there also. The clerk is also there. It's not a policy. It's correct. Okay. Yes. I think we have been called secretary, which I don't think is in here, and that's the, the superintendent. And we designate the superintendent as that at the same time that we elect board.
it seems like Sarah is playing some sort of role. Not Sarah the human. Well, she is great. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah is that person. Right, that role, that person there. Right. And has been as long as I've been on the board for nine years. For right. So I think that it should reflect that practice. Sarah does preside over the board when we do uh, elections of leadership. So she has acted yeah. in that capacity as clerk. She presides over the meeting. Yeah. So she has done that, but we need to note that, I think. There are, the bylaws are silent on things such as, and, and I know because I took some constructive criticism when I was prison board, that if um, we need to have some articulation there as if someone's missing, like I missed the meeting, who's going to be doing the vice president's role? So I thought, oh, you just pick the most senior board member. I look at what the U.S. Senate does. But but then, but but we should, if we want those kinds of articulations to be made when this this group gets together to again revisit yes, this, please include that and talk about kind of who steps up when someone is absent. Other comments? Uh, yes. Yeah, so um, first, I, it would be helpful if somewhere there's a process of when a board member or a community member makes the request for an agenda item, how that gets communicated back, yeah. um, because it, it's not very clear. And just speaking, I, I'm not shy, and I don't mind asking, but I do feel like it's an imposition when I specifically ask. I feel like there's some group about it that I'm not a part of. I, I know that I'm, I think just clear about it. Yeah, I agree. And, but, and so I have something in my mind that I thought existed. I'm not sure if it's on paper, or it just told me that when we wanted to put something on the agenda and the, the four persons on the board agreed that, yeah, do I have that? That's how we used to operate until we learned that by state law, any one of us can Correct. So we could practice to have four, okay. but any one can. Right. Okay. And you can do it by law. at a, in a board meeting, I know that. Correct. So that's at the end of the meeting. Right. But just because, uh, this is where it gets gray, because yesterday the bylaw, just because Stacy said, I want this agenda, it doesn't mean it's agendized at the next meeting or being handed. Just because a member of the public says, I want this agendized, if we've already had that discussion as an agendized item, it's been covered. So not in every case if you say, I want this on the agenda, it doesn't appear on the agenda. Right. We've all been in a situation where we wait. Yeah, and it, 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 yes, Elizabeth. No, I just want to say that we used to have that big calendar, and I know that it went away in the transition. I really like some, somebody who really likes visuals. I do like the calendar because it begins to a rhythm, and I like to. There, you, you have actually a calendar here. Of, um, it's actually really good. Um, the the yeah. So you have um, uh, yeah. So for example, this calendar here with all these different items of when things right. are legal and so on are so critical. Um, Maria, you had a question in the back. Part of the process, but I have
but that doesn't necessarily mean that what the title is, she does the, the physical stuff of it, but the whole purpose of that as a special party activity is again for board leaders for the development of people work and she had more of a diverse nature. For me, it's a diversity in terms of the nature of board members um, that set up the agenda. And um, that's been the real, because that's been one of the issues that we had in the community that, that we have to make sure that for the two cities, Right. And then we talk about North and South, and so this is what my pieces of work to include um, a board person. Thank you. And then um, the second, if we could put a pin in it and come back to it later, is for the board to discuss um, how how board leadership, right now I think we elect every year, but some places rotate, and I'll let that somewhere to have a conversation Okay, so I'm going to summarize because um, I'm three minutes over. Um, one is that we're going to come back in and we're going to make sure that there's alignment between what the handbook says and our bylaws and our policies because and we need to, to address this. And you are absolutely correct. You need a form for people to put items on the agenda, so even for a board member. So if a board member wants X on the agenda, and if you look, um, and then that form would say, by that committee once it's decided when is it going to be on or if it's not going to be on because you're exactly right um and, and a policy if you've already had something on the agenda you you know and you won't vote it on it or it's not a good address you don't readdress that issue so the, those those things need to be for, for a better term cleaned up you know that type of thing because it's all about communication but i do want to um stop here but again i'm going to say thank you because you guys have a tough job all right but you are doing this, and you have a great team, and it, you're doing great things. And I was sharing with Jen earlier, I use you guys as, um, as the model, because um, what you're doing in the work of equity, and especially in district like Santa Monica, because if you, one could say, well, your scores are good, so you know, we're fine. But what you're saying is, our scores are not good for all. And that's the important piece, because I'm going to tell you right now, there are many districts that don't have scores like you and aren't even doing the heavy lifting. So kudos, kudos, kudos. Please keep up the good work so I can tell people to come to Santa Monica um, and, and see what you're doing. And this work is messy, um, but it's good. So congratulations and uh, keep up the good job for all of our young And we will get this other stuff finished later. <laughs> we got a 10 minute break. 10 minute
transition, uh, I want to make sure we are reminded of our LCAP goals. These three are very important and they set the tone uh, for the work that we do, specifically around diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's important that we frame that and um, Gail and I have been working, if you notice around those shirts behind, that will, that's something that we will see branding of our school district to ensure that people understand beyond any of us here, that we're about equity, we're about being an inclusive place where all kids, all families feel like we are doing the best job and that they are welcome into our atmosphere that we've created here. Within that plan, I conducted one-on-one -on -one interviews with each of our school site principals. Um, all our directors, executive cabinet members, and each of our school board members over the course of these check-ins, I asked questions about what do you want? What, what's a priority? What, what's key to our success? Um, and, and, and what we came up with, in a, in a, I should say, what appeared were three themes. Um, and as you go back, let's, let, let me go back for just a, a little bit. As we started our school year, I know most of us can't remember back that far because it feels like August was way back, but we thought it was important that we started our school year off with curiosity with belonging, to ensure that everybody that was in the space knew that they were important and that they were a part of what was happening. Uh, and also being able to empower them to do the work. 
And that's what this is about. We are continuing that, creating that sense of belonging, encouraging curiosity, and empowering not only our staff, but our students also to learn the best they can, and also our board members to be empowered to do the work that you need to do. As we move forward, several things. The first priority is reclassification. We will prioritize the continued increase of reclassified students yearly by implementing district-wide designated and integrated ELD. We will support our school with site uh, for professional development on the reclassification process, effective EL instructional practices, and daily implementation of designated and integrated ELD. We will establish district-wide benchmarks and procedures for monitoring the progress of all English learners in addition to our reclassified students. We've seen some success, um, and we want to continue along that journey of having success around reclassification. Now that we have Adela, which was a long time coming, um, we know that the work that uh, was established by, and focus established by Dr. Mora will continue and will increase uh, and getting our students reclassified and also follow up. She will give you some specifics on how we will follow up to encourage even more of that. The second priority is special education. You know, this is a, a huge piece. Creating, it goes back to the empowerment, it goes back to creating a sense of belonging and inclusivity. Making sure our students feel like and their families feel like that we are inclusive in everything that we're doing around special education. In special education, we always want to be thinking of what we can do to impact our students, uh, students to maximize uh, to maximize the extent possible. We can deliver the impact through compliance. We can also do this through training as well as communication. And these are key things that have to happen. And you will uh, we will share with you. Victoria will come and she will share with you how we're going to do that within two to three years for that professional development. Um, because it's key that we continue to communicate with our staff on what our expectations are. Oftentimes people will come to us and they may have done something a particular way. Well, we have the Santa Monica Malibu Unified School District way of approaching what we're doing around our special education students and staff. The third priority is transformative approaches. And there are two things happening under transformative approaches. And Tar Brown, along with Dr. Uh, Devon Smith, who will share with you uh, this, this focus area, which includes restorative justice, uh, project-based learning, and career technical education. For the first two segments, we made strides in pockets, but we have quite a way to go to train the teachers and other staff throughout the system. Um, I think it's important, you know, there are schools, as a former principal here, you know, every teacher at San High was RJ trained, level one, then level two. The expectation is that all of our teachers here within our school community, at all schools, not just in pockets, but throughout our school district. And the restorative practices, what that does, once again, goes back to creating that sense of community and belonging. Without that sense of belonging and community, it's a struggle for a person to come into a space and automatically feel like, okay, I fit. We want to make sure that we do work around how we are building our community so that it sustains itself beyond whoever the principal is, whoever the assistant principal, teachers retire, or whatever it may be, but that this is embedded in what we do as a school district. In our career technical education area, we have grown from five pathways to 10 district-wide. That's huge. 
You know, when I first got to Samoheim, for an example, we had some fledgling, uh, what's the word? I can't think of the word, but they were, the enrollment had decreased dramatically because those programs weren't relative to what was happening in today's society, where kids wanted something. Um, you can keep a program and the person can outlast the program. <laughs> well, I'll outlast the number of students that want to be a part of the program. So their evaluations were being done, surveys were being done to see what kids wanted. And kids have choices now. So from 5 to 10, we will continue to grow those pathways. Even here, we have plenty of work to do to offer the quality of college and career programming that we are capable of in such as resource areas such as Silicon Beach. That said, we are on our way to innovative approaches like our CT Integrated Academy at Samohan, which will come on soon. You will see that building completed, and you will see some programming there in that new space. The fourth priority is maintenance, uh, specifically the completed uh, work, completion of work orders. While strides have been made in the daily stewardship and care of our campuses, the completion of work orders requiring skilled maintenance has been inconsistent and protracted. Consequently, site administrators are pulled from their primary role as instructional leaders in an effort to resolve these facility issues. In an effort to improve quality and efficiency, MNO will build greater capacity among their site custodial staff to complete routine work orders, and this process has already started. I've got to commend Glenn uh, for his work and Terrence for their work. Uh, a lot of times, there's not all the detail. A lot of people don't necessarily understand how we have to, for instance, uh, you know, understanding how do you, you just can't kill a rat. You know, in my head, coming from the East Coast or the West, about East Coast and Midwest, you, you, you just kill it. It sounds horrible, but <laughs> everybody in this room understands. But you can't do that. There's a traffic process, there's a whole process. So it takes a lot of time to get rid of something that is a nuisance to quite a few of us. Um, so we are working toward providing necessary training to the entire staff on work order systems. Um, we've discovered it's not necessarily the work order system. It's how do we process that? What's the communication? Our board just spent an hour and a half talking about communication. All of this is around communication. If I give you something, now you go do it. How do you go do it? Who do you check in with? We're creating a process for that. And Glenn and Terry will share what we're doing around that. We're partnering with FMMCPA and site principals to prioritize work and improve communication with sites and district leaders with regard to the status and completion of our work orders so that we no longer have our little partners running around. The fifth priority is the district budget where fiscal services there is continuous monitoring of financial operations to ensure the district's fiscal integrity that is reflected in the district financial reports and audits, uh, auditors review. Additionally, this fifth priority uh, will provide sound fiscal management of the district's resources with prudent financial decisions that are crucial to the district's ability to provide high-quality, first-class education to students. It's important that uh, Melody share how we're going about this. You know, we went to a meeting yesterday with a bunch of numbers, bunch of numbers for quite some time, and just sharing how fluid uh, the state budget is and how all of a sudden you have something and all of a sudden you don't have something. Or where the state itself is saying, we're going to borrow this, but we're going to keep this. And uh, they're telling us, um, don't do anything that you can't pay for yourself long term. 
Those are things that were all shared with us yesterday in our meeting that was in a packed a convention center with all school districts concerned about our financial future here within the state. Because not only do we have some ups and downs with the financial part within the state, but we also have some change of leadership in the state offices, which will impact how the budget moves forward. And this is up to 24, 25, and then we may be on our own with some things that uh, we haven't been on our own with to continue. And Melody will share uh, what and that looks like for the future and how we will continue to monitor and improve what we are already doing. Um, the last priority is guaranteed viable curriculum, which is key. This is our purpose. This is about kids. This is about ensuring that every kid that walks the halls of our schools, all 15 of our schools, that they have what they need in preparation for moving into the workforce, uh, a career or technical education beyond high school, also the beginning of what our future looks like, starting with TK. You see Susan in the back, we, we told people at our school, or I told people, continue to have some children so we can build these beautiful schools that we're gonna hope to build. Because the reality of this is, without the students, there's no school district. Our purpose is students. Uh, we're going to continue with Innovate Ed to support site leadership teams with developing school implementation plans. We're also going to emphasize tier one instruction and clear curriculum guidance so there is a foundation of excellent instruction for all students. And as the FPM finding found, and that's our federal, federal progress monitoring, that's our reality, and we're working toward making sure that all of those things that were mentioned are corrected. We're going to identify resources and supports to help teachers uh, teach ELD, which is an area of improvement. We'll be very transparent about what we're doing, how we're going about it. We will make sure that you get a check-in. We'll have another one of these so that you can see what we're doing as far as progress. That team behind you will also, they're sharing in this. That's why they're here today. I, I share with them. This is not just a single person getting things done. This is a team effort to ensure that these six priorities are not only just something up on a board, but they are a reality. That's their job. That's our career. That's our support of our district efforts to make sure that our school district is doing the right thing for our kids. So our next slide here, uh, Adela, she will come up and share with you where we're going, how we're getting there. Um, you will, you will, this will emulate the same thing that happened with our principals um, so that you all can have that same impact and you will see what we're doing. Thank you, Dr. Shelton. And just to reintroduce myself, Adela Rogers. I'm your new uh, coordinator of family engagement and English learner program. And I'm so happy uh, to be with you six months in. But yay. <laughs> um, and just again, to connect to reclassification, I think sometimes we think reclassification is the ultimate goal for our English learners, and then that's it, we're done with them. And that actually, there's more to it than just that piece. And so I'm here today to tell you a little bit about um, the work that goes into not only getting our kids to reclassify, but also maintain uh, their academic uh, career in our district. Um, in order to do that, we want to center ourselves again in our LCAP goal number two, to really, really understand that in order for an English learner to become proficient, we have to provide um, an environment that is rigorous, culturally and linguistically responsive, and that is standards aligned, which connects to that viable curriculum that we're talking about for all students. 
We'll start with reclassification. Our goal is to maintain, not only maintain, but increase the work that Dr. Mora started and the team that supported her with reclassification of our English learners. Um, in order to do that, we're going to continue that process of identifying English learners that are ready for that next step in their trajectory um, as a student in Santa Monica Malibu Unified School District. We also need to encourage and continue monitoring their progress, not only because it's by law, we must monitor them for another four years, but really to make sure that they are able to access the content that they are, uh, that we're providing for them. In order to do that, we're going to um, establish a district-wide progress monitoring uh, system for our reclassified students through the dashboard uh, that's called Elevation, so we're going to train all of our teachers on how to consistently and uh, effectively use that. Um, and in addition, we're going to centralize the way that we monitor all English learners in their pathway um, to make sure that they're making the pro appropriate progress um, as they're on the, on the way to reclassification. How are we going to do this? Um, when we think about how we reclassify our students, it's not just uh, through the LPAC, right, through one assessment. We look at a progress monitoring form um, that is going to support where teachers are going to give feedback on how the student is progressing. So we're going to look at an LPAC assessment, we're going to look at our district benchmark, which is our assessment. And then additionally, teachers' conversation and input on formative assessments and grades. And this is for all English learners, including our RFIP students. Our RFIP students will also continue to be monitored through the Elevation platform. And the idea behind using this new platform is to really, not only to digitize it and move forward, but also to streamline the process and make sure that then our teachers have timely access to information about all of their English learners. To connect it to what we were talking about in terms of designated ELD and our FPM findings, um, our goal is that to implement district-wide da daily designated ELD, which is a designated protected time for our English learners to receive the instruction in English language acquisition that they require in order to then bring it into all content areas. Additionally, uh, monitoring the daily use of integrated ELD that would actually help them access the content within uh, their school day. Um, and we'll do this by supporting our site leaders with quarterly walkthroughs to just really walk around and make sure it's not a, like a gotcha kind of situation, but really to support the implementation at the site level and then determine what are going to be our PD needs. Where do we see some trends, uh, uh, areas of strength or really areas of growth where we need to provide some additional support? That's it for me, but just I wanted to share. I got, can you tell I got a little nervous? We can do this. But just really, it really is more than just reclassification and we're done. All of these pieces have to work in tandem. And so to, to echo what Dr. Shelton was saying, all of us here work together to make sure that all of our students receive what they need. But again, um, nothing works in isolation. It has to work. All the pieces have to work together. And so we're here to support that process. Thank you. And you will have time as a board when we break out with each of these people, okay? So we're going to get through the presentation, and then when we, uh, you'll break up in pairs, and you will have time, just like with the principal, you will have time, and you will also have time to give input on that as well.
Okay, good morning. I'm Victoria, Director of Special Education. Um, first, I want to say when uh, Dr. Williamson and Dr. Shelton called me into Dr. Shelton's office the first week that I had this job and said, what are your goals for the next three years? And I was like, um, I'm just trying to survive today. So um, the good news is a lot of these goals are things that I've been working on as a coordinator. The first one is compliance. So obviously in special education, we have a lot of compliance things that we're working on. Um, in order to make sure that we communicate to all of our staff at all of the sites about compliance, we have weekly coordinator and director meetings. Um, we also share, so then the coordinators go out to department meetings at school sites and job-alike meetings where we get teachers and staff together from multiple school sites, like all of the OTs, all of the speech teachers, all of the preschool teachers, and we, we keep sharing the information. I also do communication to the staff at least twice a month about compliance things that come up. And then we also attend a lot of legal workshops and training. Um, as we know, we have a lot of litigation, but the thing about litigation, it also teaches me and our team where we need to continue to do training and work on compliance issues. Okay, training. Um, another area of training. So um, before COVID, we used to do a lot of training every year for new teachers that came in. We trained on SAFE, which is the computer system that we use uh, for special education. We trained on how to write IEPs. We trained on how to write reports. Some people come from districts where they've never done IEPs or reports. They have other people that do them for them. Uh, that doesn't happen in our district. It's the responsibility of each case manager to do that. So I have already held at the beginning of the year training for teachers. It's called newish training because I had a lot of teachers reach out and said, hey, it's not, it's my third year, but I've never got this training. Can I come? So of course, everyone who, who wants to come can come. So we have trainings on how to write IEPs, um, how to do testing. One of those is the Wyatt, that's an academic test. Um, how do you space? We have a training next week or the week after in a new reading program that we have. So trainings are continuous for us. We also, um, I do trainings for parents. We have parent workshops um, monthly, and they're on different topics. So this month we had one just for Spanish-speaking parents, and the presentation all in Spanish about the related services providers that are available to our to students with IEPs. And the last thing is communication. So it's really important that um, our department is communicating regularly to parents, to staff. Um, to the school board, um, you guys obviously see me most 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 sessions. I'm there talking to you about something, um, but I also do communication with our staff regularly. Um, I do the weekly updates. I do the Friday memo that always has legal updates and things like that in there. And I also have the expectation that we get back to you within 48 hours. And I also do monthly communication to the parents. And now, Ms. Brown. Good morning. I'm Tara Brown. I'm the Director of Student Services. And um, I'm going to talk about transformative approaches with restorative justice training. This is something that I've been very passionate about, very excited about. Um, 
We have really taken a leap with this this year, um, thanks to Dr. Shelton and him kind of standing behind me and saying we all need to do this. And that's really made a difference. And so we've had um, level one and level two training for just about every single uh, staff member so far. Um, we don't have too many uh, people in each school that haven't been trained in level one and level two, but we're still working on it. Um, but that's the goal, that all everybody's trained in level one and level two. And it's a three-year plan, um, and we're going to progress monitor using our climate and culture survey. So what is Restore Justice? It's a philosophy and it's a practice that's rooted in the belief that a healthy community requires healthy interpersonal connections. And it focuses on two different areas. Um, number one, building and strengthening healthy, respectful, and inclusive group relationships. So that's basically the prevention side of it. And then repairing and restoring relationships when there's been harm, conflict, or crime that impacts them. And I'm excited about this work in our district because I know that some of our other goals are working on reducing suspension rates and um, reducing chronic absenteeism. And when you have a healthy community on your school site, um, that lends to that because it lends to being able to build community, which is the foundation of restorative work. And if we can do restorative work with our students, we'll have less discipline issues and um, students will also want to come to school more because they'll be happier there. So it, it's all related, it all connects with each other, and uh, that's why I'm really excited about this work because it links to many different areas of the work that um, I've been involved in with student services. So um, restorative practices also use community building circles, and we use community building circles to build and strengthen the community, and uh, the primary objectives are success acts. The first one is to build relationships through intentional dialogue where we can see and hear one another. And then that enables us to discover commonalities within, within our group and within our community. Um, we uplift the diversities of the group and respect our individual uniqueness, and we share our core values. We also set and learn one another's personal goals and how the group can support one another. And we also have a lot of fun together. Those of you who have been to our trainings know that we do do a lot of different fun activities together to help build community. And um, you know, all my people who and, and I, I really enjoyed seeing some of our board members at our uh, trainings as well, and they have a lot of fun. Have and we had, so have we had community meetings? We are. We have community meetings. We have community meetings for our English-speaking parents. Um, and now, March 2nd and 9th, we're going to do meetings for our Spanish-speaking parents. So we are um, also extending this out to our community at large, and that's been a lot of fun as well. Um, okay. And I think this is long. Good morning. Um, so I'm going to be sharing about uh, project-based learning and CTE, which are two of my uh, majority hats that I wear. So uh, first and foremost, I um, wanted to say that we are really looking forward to expanding this like never before. Uh, so our gold standard PBL, um, which we have adapted 
from PBL Works, formerly Buck Institute. Uh, we, as you know, have developed our own training, and we want to make sure that all teachers are trained in this uh, design and facilitation. Uh, it takes a lot of work. It takes time. Uh, we're doing that through site and non-site based efforts. So, uh, for instance, we have a great thing going on at Grant, uh, working closely also with Webster. But uh, the work that we're doing with Grant, I think that's going to be a great model for other schools that we're doing. So it really is most effective when whole teams are doing it. When it's individual teachers that are doing it, they struggle a little bit more. So that is our, that is our push. Um, and uh, we want to make sure that all schools are implementing, implementing uh, grade level and site-wide projects each semester. Uh, we don't feel like that's too much to ask. Uh, to try to do one good one, another one the next semester, and then uh, hopefully we can build capacity and that could be more of a teacher practice. Uh, ongoing volunteer teacher cohorts, as we've been doing uh, since the beginning of, of my position here, uh, will continue uh, efforts like that, but it's really going to be leaning into the site base. That's going to be most effective. And then we plan on having this done by uh, everyone trained in the district by 26-27 uh, school years, so a four-year plan. We want to monitor that through uh, our learning walks, climate and uh, culture surveys, and some engagement surveys. Next slide. And then in terms of our CTE pathways, as Dr. Shelton mentioned, we've gone from a few pathways to 10 pathways, seven at uh, Samo High and three at Malibu, and they are thriving. Uh, we actually will be adding another pathway next year so we will have then 11 pathways. And this is spread out into five industry sectors. The way it works is there are 16 industry sectors in the world of CTE. We have five. Uh, they are engineering, health and wellness, information and computer technology, arts, media, entertainment, and transportation. So we have a good array of things for students to learn uh, from. And this learning, as you know, is project-based. This learning is relevant to the industry around us. Uh, it is relevant for college and career. We have to continue to carry that, uh, that message, college and career. This is not for students who are not planning on going to college. This is for everybody. So this is uh, intended to, uh, to progress into your post-secondary, uh, whether it's two-year or four-year or any other additional training uh, or directly into the workforce. But at the end of the day, everybody's going to need a job. Everyone's going to need more than a job. You're going to need a career to support yourself and family. Um, so this is kind of our John Wooden model of success. <laughs> uh, those of you that know the famous UCLA coach, uh, at the beginning, we want to make sure that we have what is known as high quality instruction. That is the basis of all of it. And that's not just our 3D language. That is actually the language of CTE as an industry. Um, and then building on that, we want to make sure they have college credit earning opportunities through uh, dual enrollment. Um, and we work uh, very well with Maria and those over at SMC uh, to provide opportunities while students are still in, in high school. Leadership opportunities are very, very important. We really have to make a push in this area. Um, and then industry certifications, we started to see that, of course. Uh, we um, uh, brought that to the board last year with our ASC Automotive Service Excellence. Uh, was one of the industry certifications that we have um, through our auto program. Um, and we're working on those through graphic design with Adobe. So plenty of opportunities there. We want to make sure that they can show the industry what they can do, not just what they, what they have learned on the transcript. And then, oops, 
and then having work-based learning opportunities, and I'll talk about that in a moment. Um, I've shown this to the board uh, many times. This is kind of the 4E model that we came up with. Uh, we want to make sure that we are aligning all of our efforts that are existing throughout uh, the district, all the way uh, down into elementary. But we want to make sure we have uh, a focused plan for that. So in the elementary, we envision that being about exposure, right? Want to make sure that students understand that there's more in the career space than just maybe what their parents do, or back in our day, a firefighter or a police officer. Want to make sure they understand there are many, many, many different careers, and there are things that are already happening. We just want to come alongside and align those things. And then, if we can have exploration opportunities, career exploration in the middle school, that really sets them up for experience in the high school. I want to pause for a second and just share great news that we have actually, according to a timeline plan, we are now working with middle schools. We've got at Lincoln and at um, uh, Jams here, we've got wheels that are in development. So those exploration wheels are gonna be super exciting electives where they'll get to dabble in uh, various industries that we have actually waiting for them at the high school level, at um, Malibu and at, um, and at Sam Ohio. You gotta work on stuff over, over in uh, the middle school of middle, uh, Malibu. Uh, experience, I'm sorry, can you go back just one? No problem. Um, and then we want them to, after they've dabbled uh, in middle school, we wanna make sure that they have experience through our CTE pathways. Not just the CTE pathways, but our academies, which we'll get on the next slide. Okay, now. And then the last is expansion. Not that they have to go into their two-year or four-year experience, they can actually have that some of that experience while they're in high school. Uh, so through dual enrollment, internships, things like that. Next one. And then these are our goals that I wanna make sure are, are communicated. We are looking to increase the rate of our college and career readiness on the dashboard. Um, you may know that if one completes a CTE pathway, they are regarded by the state as being college and career ready. So it's super important that we increase our completer rate. I can definitely tell you that we are way on track for blowing this goal away. Well, this year, we're expected to nearly quadruple the rate among graduating seniors. And then by next year, if enrollment holds or increases, it'll be doubling that. So very excited about that. And I think the reason why we got to that is because we went from three-year sequences to two-year sequences, because just our master schedules at either campus, they do not support uh, very well a student completing in three years. So two years was a great move. So thank you for your patience and your help in approving those courses, because now they're coming to fruition. Um, and then in terms of our goals for the comprehensive local needs assessment, that is an assessment we have to do every two years to, uh, to obtain our Perkins funding. And we use that work to also uh, leverage uh, our efforts in our CTE IG, another grant that funds most of our work. And those four areas are to establish and leverage business and community partnerships, which are going very well. We're building that. The idea is we're in Silicon Beach. We should be accessing these, these uh, organizations and companies. And then uh, in, enhancing our career development opportunities for students, providing leadership opportunities through CTSOs, those are our career tech student organizations, and increase our work-based learning opportunities for students 
So we're on track with doing those things. We're going to be doing a new CLNA uh, coming up, and so um, we'll have new goals, or maybe some of the same. And then finally, we want to uh, fully launch SAMO High CTE Integrated Academies, and that will be on the next slide. We'll continue our improvements in our high-quality CTE, and then we are assisting teachers in getting their CTE credentials, which is super important for the expansion of any of our CTE programs. They have to be specially credentialed. And that's happening at the middle school level, and it's also happening at the high school. And then supporting teachers with training and resources. Now the academies. So the engineering has already launched. That launched in the fall of 22. Uh, that is a 12th grade academy. And these academies are put together by having a CTE or a non-CTE course integrated with an academic subject. If you recall our visit, uh, those board members that have been able to see CART, Center for Advanced Research and Technology up in the Fresno and uh, Clovis area, uh, we have taken that and we've done what we can do what we feel like would be uh, beneficial here in our area. And so this is where we're driving towards. We have two more that we'll be launching in the fall and we'll be moving into the new building. The first will be health and wellness. We actually started that as a CTE pathway first and foremost and that is going on right now and that class is very successful. Um, and then we will be taking the 12th grade, they will be in the advanced course and that will be married with physiology for 12th grade. So that will be a 12th grade academy. And then we'll build down into an 11th grade academy in time. Using that same model, our law and public policy, we um, uh, don't have the course uh, identified yet, but we're working on that. That'll be a, uh, an 11th grade class, and then we'll marry that with econ and gov for 12th grade. And again, try to build down um, as, the, uh, as the years go. I think that is about it. Yep, maintenance. Here we go. So just to, to dovetail with what uh, Devon was saying, we're very excited about the facilities that actually support the CTE program. We will have the uh, exploration building at Samuel High uh, open in August, and we're building the new building at Malibu High School, the new high school building. And we've been in design meetings with the new uh, wheels for the pathways at the middle schools for a new CTE, a new STEM building here, and the renovation of the 500s at uh, Lincoln Middle School. So those are all moving along and in progress. But I'm here to talk uh, about facilities and maintenance. Uh, so uh, just to remind you, we have 16 sites, uh, 1.5 million square foot of interior space, and 150 acres that we manage. The average age of our buildings is 70 years old, and the average age of our portables is 30 years old. So uh, we have some old things to deal with. Now we've done some really great work uh, in the last few years, particularly with uh, the facility improvement and the bond dollars, and there's more work to be done, uh, and we'll talk a lot about that this year, but that's moving along. We want to talk a little bit about maintenance. So uh, it's, it's important to say that we didn't really have a functioning uh, director of maintenance. Uh, back from about 2010 until two years ago, or more than two, when we hired Glenn. And when Glenn was hired, uh, we gave him four priorities. Uh, and uh, he's been really moving through and, and making great improvement on those. Uh, 
the Somaladashlian. Uh, the first one was really to improve our custodial grounds or operation department, uh, both their uh, work, their attendance, and their culture. Uh, we've made great strides in that. We're not done, but we really improved that. The other thing we went from uh, was working on our maintenance uh, construction projects, uh, our deferred maintenance, and particularly with your help with a lot more funding, uh, we've really been knocking out things and really moving that forward. And with, uh, and just have to mention Angel Via, who's our new construction uh, supervisor, they're, they're knocking out, you know, half a dozen dozen programs a month now, as far as projects. I mean, they're really moving it forward, uh, which is really great. But we want to go on to uh, our third priority, uh, which is really improving our work order and our maintenance team's work. Uh, just to say our fourth priority, which we'll get to probably starting next year, is really improving our preventative maintenance work so that we really try to move from being as reactive to being more proactive in our maintenance work. But Glenn's going to talk about the work of the maintenance and the work workers. Good morning again. Uh, my mission is to uh, improve communications between M&O, and the principals and the school sites uh, staff. Uh, for example, if a work order is not completed, uh, I would want I want MNO to convey to the principals and the school staff when they can expect that work to be completed. Uh, this way, it gives the principals uh, the opportunity to convey to the teachers and the and the parents if they're asked. <coughs> Uh, the other item is um, I'm going to be working with the principals to prioritize the work orders so the work will be done or completed uh, in the order that the principal prefers. And then lastly, uh, more training in the work order system for the uh, MNO staff and for the uh, school sites. That's it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Melody. Uh, yeah. I'm Glenn Pufo. I'm the director of the Institute. My mission is I love working with all these guys on, on the guys. Another guy I love working with is uh, Gerardo Cruz. However, he's not here with us because he's a little under the weather still. Um, and I'm just kind of taking over his actual flight at this point in time. We're going to stay together. I'm Melanie Kennedy, Assistant Superintendent of Business and Fiscal Services, and I oversee all these fun operations and everything. But um, just really here to talk to you about fiscal services, and that's Mr. Cruz's area, quite honestly, at this moment. Um, he put this together, and he's dying that he can't be here with y'all right at this moment, because he loves being in the middle of this. But um, <laughs> um, the goal we have within fiscal services is to is a continuous monitoring of our fiscal operations to ensure the district's uh, fiscal integrity that is uh, reflected in this district's financial reports and audits. Um, what are the expected outcomes? Our expected outcomes are to provide sound fiscal management of the district's resources, to make prudent financial decisions that are uh, crucial to the district's ability to provide a high quality education for its students, 
And um, drawing on the data that's determined for the, 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 the needs that are um, determined through data uh, for the district, in accordance with the it's in accordance with the board policy, accepted business procedures, and reliable budget development process to publish an, an uh, annual fiscal plan that is uh, prepared for but at the, the board of education's adoption, detailing spending priorities, which are consistent with the implementation of the district's visions and goals. So basically, what we're saying is. We're, we're doing our best to make sure we understand what, what the um, district goals are, visions are. Are we meeting that through um, the budgetary side, trying to um, actually support our school sites and our students out there? So, um, on our professional development side of fiscal services, it's uh, mainly to, right at this moment, we're actually transitioning to, when we transition to a new fiscal, um, a new fiscal um, financial, excuse me, a new financial um, software. And in that software, it actually integrates with our human resources and with our purchasing department and what have you. Um, right now, we're integrating that into the HR side, and so that means payroll and HR have to speak together all the time. So they're in, in really deep right at this moment, learning all that they could possibly understand about this new piece of software and how it actually um, interrelates with each other. And um, anyway, we're doing an awful lot of that. We'll be doing trainings with our office managers and um, doing more, um, uh, using more monitoring for our budget allocations um, throughout the, the school sites. Um, we're providing training to those office managers and to the management of importance um, in submitting payroll on time, um, providing technical assistance in the payroll system, the ETAC e or the time is the time attendance um, a cloud system to resolve any questions related to payroll submission, um, providing training to office managers and management on the importance of approving and submitting invoices on time, providing technical assistance in the county um, financial system, once again it's called BEST. We file it, we find it to be worse, but it's called us. <laughs> and in addition um, to working with purchasing departments to resolve any disbursements and or available budgets for spending issues. Um, just pretty much just trying to keep it all those pieces tied together. Um, what they do is they've got their finger into everything, which I think everything that we do costs a, costs a dollar to do it or a penny or what have you, and so therefore um, their fingers are, are, are in that and kind of trying to stay with the goals and the mission of the district itself. I think that's it for me. Thank you. We'll be here to talk about guaranteed Bible curriculum, and my name is Dr. Stacey Williamson. I'm the director of research. Oh, that's not right. I am. <laughs> this is like the second time. I'll just tell you a story. At Madison Retreat, I introduced myself as the director of curriculum instruction. I don't know why I can never say my title. So I'm the director of assessment, research, and evaluation. Um, and so we're going to be uh, teaming together, and I'll be working with Ashley. She'll come up in a second. So as Dr. Shelton kind of talked to you guys about uh, in this intro, is that we are continuing the work that we're doing with Innovate Ed. And so part of that is developing a system structure. And so what we have right now is each school has a lot of autonomy. And it can go both ways, right? A lot of autonomy can be wonderful, it can be great, it can be liberating, but it also causes some confusion. 
because there's differences happening at, at all of the sites. So what we're really trying to do is create a coherent system, and based off of that system and that leadership, there's levels to that. So it starts off with a district leadership team, and that is a team that is developed from people from all sites, and at various of, um, levels, we have counselors on that team, we have assistant principals, we have teachers, we have representation from both Santa Monica and the Malibu schools, and it's a collective group of people that are part of what they call their school leadership team. And their school leadership team is a central group of team members, each site can choose how they would do the selection, but usually to grade level members, your site administrators, and any support staff that you think is essential to move the work forward. The idea of having an SLT is that that team is leading from the middle. They're making the decision and the plan to move forward at your site as an individual group. So when you have transition of principles, you're not lost and waiting for the directive each time they have presence on your campus. You're not waiting for that person to tell you what you're doing. You're telling the principal, this is what we do here, and how are you going to join us and get on board with what we do here at our school. So we did have a school just recently that's had three principals in three years, right? So that school, if we had a strong leadership team, that, those transiencies of having that, that leadership in and out wouldn't affect the work because the work is derived by that central team of teachers and support staff that has developed like, what we need as a system. So what the site leadership team does is they analyze their data, they identify the areas of need, then they identify the evidence research-based practices to address them, and then they implement. And then they do what's called cycles of inquiry. As I present to you three times a year, how we're doing, sites are doing that work at their, their site level. And they're saying, hey, we said at this point, that this is the work that we need to do based on our data, let's check in in six weeks and see how we're doing, and then refine and adjust it based on what we see. Let's do a cycle link for you. Let's look at student work and identify, did what we say help the kids? Did what we say we were gonna do make a difference? Are we, can we say we've accomplished it and move on to the next? Or do we need to refine it and continue this work? So part of that is we have to support the site. So those support systems come in a variation of different ways. We have Innovate Ed consultants that we've teamed with that will come and support. We have our Ed Services Director. We have our coordinators, and then we have instructional coaches. And what we do within these cycles is we help provide data, we support the, the SLT discussion, we facilitate learning walks, we give guidance on their school plans of how to write them, how to get there, what do we do, what do we look at. We help lead professional development, coaching, and other duties of the science, right? So other things that they need. So whatever else the site needs, well, however our department can help support, and that's the work that we're doing. Good morning, I'm Dr. Asha Benjamin. I'm the Director of Curriculum and Instruction. So the Ed Services Department is going to facilitate what is called a Multi-Tiered Systems of Support, or MTSS plan. A MTSS is a comprehensive continuum of system-wide resources, strategies, structures, practices that are in place to proactively address the academic and the social-emotional needs of students and to address barriers to student learning. Essentially, MTSS is a framework for how we teach and support our students in San Juan and Canalgo. MTSS is often depicted as an overarching umbrella to show the support we have to develop the whole child. You'll see here in our new district graphic, which is also available in your folder, 
that students are at the center and the core of what we do, and then the various key strategies and programs we have in place district-wide TK through 12. You can read it like a book down the left side, which is academics, and down the right side, which is social-emotional learning. However, I want to note that all the programs and icons you see there are not isolated things. They're all interconnected and tied together. So we begin on the top left with a guaranteed viable curriculum. That is the standards that we teach and the curriculums we use to teach the standards and the content area framework. Then we apply what's called universal design for learning. That's how teachers proactively design their instruction to meet the needs of all their students. Then we teach through formats like project-based learning and the transformative approaches that Dr. Smith shared about earlier, like CTE, college and career readiness. While teaching, we conduct ongoing assessments and universal screeners that guide our instruction. And this progress monitoring also helps us to identify if students need any additional interventions or supports. And the data guides are professional learning communities. So that's when our teams of teachers collaborate with each other and do cycles of inquiry around that data to guide their instruction. Now on the right hand side, all of our schools implement a comprehensive PBIS plan to support students' behavior and social emotional learning at their school. We engage all students in school through a focus on belonging, curiosity, and empowerment. We approach teaching through a restorative justice lens and culturally responsive practices. We explicitly teach social emotional learning and social skills through curriculums like Olveus, Second Step, and responsive classroom morning meetings. We gather data about our culture and climate through surveys like our California Healthy Kids Survey, um, Olveus Anti-Bullying Survey, and focus groups. We hold student success team meetings with teachers, admin, and parents all together so we can see how we can support students as a team. And we collaborate with families and educational partners for an overall positive school experience. So really the goal of this graphic and the MTS plan overall is to give clarity about the key programs and practices we have in place across all school zones. With this clarity of focus and cohesiveness, we can ensure that all of our students have a high quality education. And the Ed Services team is going to support school sites with this by giving PDs in all of these different areas. And we're going to create an MTSS page on the district website so all of our educational partners are informed and can be part of the uh, team to help this plan be successful. And a few other curriculum instructional things. First, curriculum guides. The Ed Services Department with school sites is going to refine the current guides that we have, develop any guides that are needed, and reinforce their use. When possible, we're going to make one-pagers that are really easy to follow. And essentially, the guides are intended to be a helpful tool for teachers, so they have it to support consistent, high-quality instruction tied to the standards across all classrooms, PK through 12. And the benefit of teachers using these guides is that they can more easily collaborate. They can plan together, develop common assessments, come up with common lessons because there's cohesiveness with a common roadmap. And then English language development for our multilingual students. As Ms. Rogers shared earlier, the Edsources team is going to provide clarity around what our core and supplemental ELD curriculums are. We're going to give professional development around those curriculums, as well as effective strategies for both designated and integrated ELD. We're going to do some site learning walks around ELDs so we can continuously improve our practice. And we will have a structure in place for ongoing progress monitoring of both English learners and reclassified students for four years to guide our instruction and support. Thank you. All right, Stacy's going to come back because I know your vision. Okay.
for questions and comments. Anybody ever want to do the table talk? Hi. So we're a little, uh, a little behind on the time. So we are going to let you guys transition to some questions. But I do want to just give you a caveat so you can see what the next steps are so that it will help you organize your thoughts for this next part. So we are going to have you guys have a moment to speak to staff and ask them clarifying questions on their presentation. Then you'll be working at your table with your partners. You'll have a graphic organizer that you see in your packet that you'll be wanting to, to attend to and you're going to have some table talk about how can the board support these different priorities. Because that's one of your questions, right? How can we help? So we want to give you guys that time. Then we're going to do a carousel walk. And so there'll be a poster paper on the wall with each priority. Staff will be at each poster board with the, like the marker for you guys. And you'll be able to visit each priority on the wall and talk to staff directly and be able to chart out what you think you can do or how the board can help support any of these priorities or if you have any ideas or suggestions based on what you've seen today. Does that make sense? So you'll have time for questions and then you're also going to do some conversations at your seat and then you'll have time to talk to staff independently at the posters um, as well. So we'll open it up then if you guys have any questions. We'll do a few questions now, but just know that you will have one-on-one -on -one time with staff as well. Yes, I want to make a general comment. And the first question, I'm glad to see that we're doing the integrated DLP and all of that. And But I want to really focus that we want to make sure that students keep their home language and learn English, and, and, and that at the end, there's a field of literacy. I would like to encourage all my students to be able to graduate with that seal on their diploma and say like, hey, you're bilingual and really celebrate that as a district because I think that a lot of times we forget about the home language and it's just as important and uh, yeah. Yeah. anyway, that was my comment on that section. Yes. On the end of the I know that Dr. Troy was here. School dude. School dude. Is that still in effect, or how is it that that what classes are are we having so that the principal can make the know whoever from the staff has put in and make it voice to the system? Is that what we're doing? Is it set up or we're going to be setting up? We still have them. We still have. Glenn, do you want to talk about school dues for a moment? About how the what, what's the what's the question? Okay. Okay. You want to follow up what we talked about of how that process? I think you mentioned a little bit of it of what happens once the work order goes in. What happens? Okay. Explain, because what Maria is talking about is the principals have had felt that they put something in and it's not completed, or they don't know, or they put it in multiple times and they don't know what's occurred. I'll talk about what what we've done more immediately to address that, specifically around the communication. Okay. Um, so the process is somebody at the school site puts the work order in. Uh, it then goes to, um, depending on what the work order is, for example, if it's a maintenance, it's going to the maintenance supervisor, then that then he'll um, assign it to one of the tradespersons. Um, then they go out to do the work. Uh, when they go there, uh, if it's during school school hours, because sometimes they go there before, so they start at six, so sometimes they'll go before school starts. 
But uh, if they go there during the school hours, they check in at the office, tell them that they're here for work orders such and such to do the repairs. Uh, they do the repairs, or uh, if there's some parts needed or they can't complete it, they'll report back to the office and say, um, there's parts that I need to order, or it's been completed. Then they go back, they put notes in where it's called action taken. They put notes in there saying the date, who they spoke to, what they've done, and then it's closed. Um, so what what I've done this now, and it wasn't done before, is that anytime there's a status change from either it's assigned or closed, the person who initiates that work order at the school will be emailed a notification saying it's closed or parts on order or it's been deferred or anytime there's a status change. So that wasn't done before. Uh, but that's that's happening now. And the check-in wasn't done before you. Right, and the check-in wasn't And those things are two key communication pieces to go to the admin assistant that may have been identified at the campus to share when they come on campus because the other part of this is making sure that if you're a principal and your person is the admin assistant who uh, follows up with this, someone once before used to just come on campus but there is no communication that they're on campus. If I have a broken water fountain and I put in the uh, work order and no one ever addressed, I don't think that they've completed it, I don't know. But now, there are two things that have changed. You're checking in, you're communicating, you're making sure that, hey, this is the work order, this is what was done on the work order. And they also tried something called a blitz, where everybody that was there, uh, like for instance, if there are 14 people who are um, in maintenance, they would go to the school and start checking off everything that they can get done on that particular day. Those are changes that have happened more immediately. And we're making sure that we can continue to do things like this so that we can decrease the number. Because the problem is not school due. It's the human piece that has to be addressed. The computer does what it does. You put in and submit, now we have to follow up to make sure that we are connecting with the individuals that put these things in and also looking at the notes that were addressed. Are there any other questions? Sorry. Okay, so we're going to transition to your table talk activity. So what you're going to be talking about and reflecting on is how do you believe these priorities are going to help us achieve our LCAP goals and our district vision of belonging, curiosity, and empowerment, which Dr. Shelton opened up with at the beginning? How can the school board help support these priorities? And then maybe some future priorities you hope to see for the district. So those are just some thought questions. You don't have to answer each one in like a formalized way. Those are just some ideas to get you thinking. The idea would be that on your graphic organizer, if you're thinking, gosh, I have a great idea for maintenance, because we just discussed it, and I have a great idea of how we can help as a board support this initiative or this goal, then you would put it down on here, and then you're going to translate it onto the, to the paper on the wall when you work with staff. If you have a great idea for classification, like you shared, Drop that down about what you would, we were talking about not losing our home language and still having skills by literacy, then that could be addressed here. Anything you want to think of. And no, you're not required to fill out every box. It's just available to you, and you can fill out the ones that you are passionately wanting to support. 
So we're going to work on this for about three minutes with your with your um, partners at your table, and then we'll transition to the next activity. And this is exactly what the principals did because okay. we shared this information. What we need now from you is what is your input, and we need that documented so that we can also address it as we move forward. I think Maria said at the beginning, we're preparation for as we move into the next school year. Um, I'll, sh I'll share with you what my next steps are after we've gathered your information and what I will do to make sure that the teachers and our principals at their meetings know what's happening as well. All right? Three minutes, if you all would, and then we'll do our carousel so that you have time specifically with each of the departments. Stacy, you go with it. you go with Thank you. 
And as Dr. Shelton shared with you, the, the principals engage in the same exact work. So we're going to now have you guys walk around the room to each poster. You're going to be visiting each priority. And then the staff will be writing down your takeaways, what you guys would suggest. Um, and if you get to a poster and your team already agrees that with what's written on it, you just put a check mark. Like, you know what? We also have the same idea. We're going to put a check mark. So the way that we're going to now organize this is we're going to have Stacey, Maria, and John um, along with Isaac be in a group, and you guys could start back here with maintenance. And then we're going to have uh, Lori and Jen and Dr. Kelly start. Uh, we'll have you start every classification just to get some space for the beginning. And then we'll have Alicia, Dr. P. Richard. Richard. I Richard. Richard, you're going to be teaming up with Mr. Richardson, and then you guys can start a special education. Dr. Richardson, excuse me. Excuse me. You're going to start at reclassification in the corner. 
so that they understand what we wish, what we are, so that they have it. Because I've been to a couple of meetings like me, uh, one not too long ago, where again they said, oh, you're not doing that, excuse me, you're making an issue that happened 10 years ago. And we've responded to this. But, you know, I, I you know, again, bringing out the information to the community so they understand. And then taking all of this today, I think was fantastic, because at one point, um, and I'm looking at my notes, to be able to put these on, um, in that handbook as, as goals and, and, and priorities that we're going to set as a guidance for us to be able to do reflections as we do your evaluation, Superintendent, and as I think the board does their own self-evaluation too, to see what we, if we measure benchmarks or not, uh, what we're doing. Thank you. And thank you to all y'all for coming out on Saturday morning. And Sarah Bradshaw for coming to join But no, seriously, thank you for coming out. It, it, it's above and beyond, and it's really urgent to into this. Um, as for Dr. Shelton, I would say what I appreciate from this, from your point of view, is I like the accountability. Um, you're telling us how you want to do what you want to do. Here's our opportunity to tell you, you know, I disagree with you. Or, yes, this is this share, we share this vision. Go execute it. Go make sure that there's accountability on campuses now. And that's where the entire staff comes in. And the one word that we, we don't use anymore, but it was reflected through belonging, curiosity, empowerment, everything else is engagement. We are here to engage students, to excite students. Um, to make them feel heard, valued, respected. Um, I just wanted to say the word engagement. So I know we're dancing around it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, not to be totally redundant, but yes, first of all, thank all of you for doing this. As I said, it was great. Everyone was great. You know, you have to come all week during set hours, meet up, and then come here and spend some Saturday. So thank you, thank you. So all you do during the normal hours and being here. Um, I just want to um, say in a different way that I've done, I think, in a way, Stacey and Maria were alluding to. Our job as board members, I think, in part, is to reflect the community's questions and concerns to the superintendent and staff and to answer their questions from the district's perspective. So the more we understand and can interact with what we're doing, the more we get it how things are done and how they work, the better we're able to represent what the district is doing. And then, of course, bring to you what we think are concerns that you ought to be addressing and helping us with. So anyway, with that, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Um, I, I say thank you, too, and I'm also thank you to everybody here because I'm so grateful to be amongst all of you very, very smart, caring people. And, and all of you very, very smart people because I don't, I mean, I've always felt this way. I've always said this. I, this is such an amazing district and what, we, what we've been doing for our kids and personally my kids, it, you know, is remarkable. And the fact that we keep pushing forward and I, so Dr. Shelton, I, I think um, what you set out to do is amazing. And as John stated, um, there's you know, the plan set forth and the uh, execution of it. Well, I'm sure we'll have some bumps along the road and, and we'll fix them and we'll figure it all out. But um, uh, I really appreciate um, being able to, uh, and Lori, what you said was, was an amazing reflection of what, how we can be there next to facilitate and help you get this work done. So thank you. Ditto, ditto, ditto. Thank you very much. And I am happy to report that um, from my perspective, this is going to be the best retreat for the members of the board. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm being serious. <laughs> oh, no, no. Joyful. 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 <laughs> um, yes, I, 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 you know, it's, um, I'm also very grateful for the work that you do. I've, I've been at the different sites and I, and, I, and I get to see you in action. And so thank you for for, um, for doing everything that you do. And Dr. Shelton, I know that, that, that you know where I'm I know that you're busy doing all sorts of things. And thank you for leading, for, for leading the team. And um, I'm very excited. This, this is a great way to start the, the new year, having a board retreat and really getting to know, um, this is, you know, getting to see all those puzzle pieces and how we're going to get work done. Um, I know that when I was at CSBA, they talked about um, <coughs> during the one of the one of the workshops that I went to, um, they during closed sessions. They would bring up, in, uh, as part of the superintendent's evaluation, during closed session, they were able to bring up and, and, and get regular updates on how the priorities are doing. Um, so it would be nice to implement that type of thing so that we have regular updates and so that there are no surprises to the board and no surprises to the staff and we know we're on the same page. If there's a challenge that comes up, we know right away. And, and, and we know how we can support you because we're here to support the work and uh, and, and like Lori said, to speak to the concerns that the community has and when we know what you're doing and when we're at, you know out on, in the community, we can answer questions. So let's work together. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I'm, I'm going to talk you through that because that's the next steps. Everything you said. No, no, I'm so sorry. Okay. We we the, we the next steps are the key part of, of what we need to talk about next. Um, so I want to make sure you know that we will have a follow-up. We will have an update. All of those people will be giving me regular updates on our progress. Um, that's our staff. And then what we'll do is we'll come back together, similar to this, to share with you where we are. We'll talk to you with board leadership to give you that opportunity to uh, share and give input as well. Um, as I said, we will work, Stacy and I and this team will work together to make sure that this information that you have shared is reflected in what we are doing. So someone said, how do we communicate this to our community? Um, first thing I would do is visit school sites to share the plan. Some of them will come with me to each of our school sites. We already have a uh, mapped out timetable of when I'm going. Um, you may show up to um, sit in the audience and share, so I can say you've heard this as well. Um, get feedback from the school site PLCs of which programs they are using in the classroom. I think Maria brought up, you know, what are we using? What are the programs? What are the apps? What is this? What is that? We need to find out what those things are um, so that we can work collaboratively to say, is this attached to the priority? Are these things that we're doing in our school? Because a lot of those things can become dis distractions to the actual work. Because we have actual work that we have to do. And that shouldn't be competing with something else. 
and I think that's a big part. Yes, people will be sent out a survey, and the people in that survey, the teachers and staff say, well, we need to know where we're going. How, now, the tough conversation will be when we say, well, we need to stop doing that then if we have to be on the same page. And I want you as board members to be prepared for some of that, because people are going to say that. And I'm saying this in front of everybody, because people are going to struggle when we start narrowing in, narrowing in on what it is we need to accomplish. Some things are going to have to go to the wayside. And some of those things are some of the things that people really, really love, but I can't actually, I don't know what the uh, data is saying. It's not showing progress, it's not doing what it needs to do, and a lot of that just has to do with what I've been doing for a long time. And what I'm going to need you to support us in our efforts uh, is say, hey, why haven't you asked so-and-so or asked this one in, in the department so that they can give you clarification of why we're asking everybody to be on the same page? Because if they're not focused on the six priorities, do we continue to do it? That's the question that each of these PLCs at each of these school sites will have to answer. You know, they will have to answer to that. And I think it's key, our executive directors will be working with our uh, FLTs to make sure that they stay aligned with what we talked about today. Now, meet with the principals at the principal meeting to review programs that support the district initiatives. Um, some of the programs don't necessarily support the initiative. That's our reality, and, and it's cool. We we and that's okay to an extent, but it cannot deter us from the path that we have set. Because if we're doing our own thing and it's not aligned with what we need to do, it's very difficult for us to support it. And and that goes back to what Victoria said. Someone comes in as a special education teacher and they are doing what they did in their previous district and it's not aligned with what we have trained you to do, that creates a problem. That opens us up for liability. For liability. And those are the types of things I need everybody to be on the same page with me and our board and our uh, district office staff. Feedback loop to help create a district strategic plan and brand the priorities. We need to brand what it is that we say we're going to do to last beyond me, to, to last beyond the board members. That any, as, as was mentioned, I think uh, Ashley said it real clear, that when you have set up something, it doesn't need you necessarily there, that it continues, that it's established. And the last thing, providing one pager to all sites that overviews the strategic plan for the district. And that's going to be for you as well, so that you can speak to the things that we're doing and why we're doing it. And that gives you a clear vision of what is happening. And if someone says, hey, well, what about that program? Well, have we talked about that with our initiatives? Uh, do they align with our goals? Because a lot of programs, sound, they sound great, but they, they're costly. And oftentimes, we don't have evidence that they're actually working. And those are the types of things that we're having these tough conversations with at our school site. It's going to take time, but I believe that we're a system that can make these changes with fidelity and also with purpose. So, to the board members, please take a look at this and maybe figure out who wants to go. We can send something out today so we can get something together if you all want to show up. Uh, to these meetings with us. 
that we will share out the same presentation. Um, it, it's nice if you could, and I understand you can't, but these, these are the dates and times when we'll be showing up at the individual schools as a team to share out this plan and the initiatives that we have shared with you today. All right. Are the broader community? Is this going to be accessible to the broader? Yes. Okay. Yes. And what I'll do is I can go set up uh, with like our parent groups. You know, like for instance, we can go to DLAC, we can go to PTSA, we can go to uh, up to Malibu. These things we can do. Um, what I want to do is be respectful of the process, though. Like this has been strategic. Ninety days, July, got to October share with our principals in November, sharing with you here in, in January. Now I'm going out to the school sites to share, then I will get to our parents and the community. Because um, if I, people oftentimes get offended about your, you shared what you need us to do without sharing with us first. I got, I've got to be with my school first, then I'm gonna get with everybody else. If we don't do it strategically, we have missteps and it seems as though we're walking alone. And I want to make sure that I am not walking alone, that my team behind me is not walking alone, and that you're not walking alone. Because if we are speaking something that our principals don't know, and our school teachers and our classrooms don't know, then we have an issue. So we are going to get there. I know it's taken a while, but please be patient, because if it's gonna be done with fidelity, and then we're going to create buy-in at our school sites. We've got to allow them to have some time to actually give their input as well. Good question, Jim. Thank you. Can you, uh, can you guys share the PowerPoint with us? Yes, we can share the PowerPoint. Yeah. No, I'm good. What up? Adjourn? Are we ready to adjourn? So we're all done? We're all okay. thinking so.